0: today feels like a little bit nostalgic, a little bit special. Um, Laurel and I don't know each other well, but like when I saw your name pop up in my inbox, I was like, oh, (laughs) back in the day when I first started exploring kind of the world of coaching and growth and all the things um, we were in some of the same circles. And at that point, I was still pretty passionate about network marketing. I was thinking about this in the shower today because I remember um, Amber Lillstrom was like sort of a link for us in knowing each other. And I remember her saying to me multiple times, like, why don't you just become a coach? And I was like, why would I become a coach? <laughs> so she was ahead of the curve <laughs> for me on that. Sometimes it took
1: me see things in yeah. we see in ourselves. Yeah.
0: It took me a while. I was like, I get to coach for free in network marketing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a totally different game. So um I appreciated you reaching out. Um, we've obviously that was that was what, like 10? Uh, I don't I
1: don't, I don't know. know, maybe not that long ago. I want to say three or four, or No, it hasn't been Mm-mm. that long. Really. No, because Oh my gosh, really? No, because I have an eight-year-old.
0: And wow, Wow. so maybe seven years ago. Yeah, yeah.
1: Maybe seven. That's kind of why. It was a while ago. (laughs) Time flies. And I think, you know, I know for me, I think this is true for a lot of other people, but um, once COVID started, I felt like time really slowed down. Mm. And then... In the process of after a year, it started yeah. to speed up again. Yeah. And it put me in even more of a, like a, a lack of sense of linear time. I really yeah. have, I, I'm not good with linear time anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I live in a circular, a circular spiral time frame on I all the And so it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, linear time, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Time is a very, very weird thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've definitely however many years it's been, have both grown and changed a lot. So it was really nice to see your name. And um, specifically, you used some words in your message uh, that really struck me. And I thought, what a great podcast guest. So this is fun. Um, All right. So today's guest is Laurel Holland, but I will let you introduce yourself to my audience. And then we just get to have a fun conversation. Um, So why don't you tell people um, who you are, why you are interested in having this conversation on the podcast, and we'll take it from there.
1: Sure. Uh, So I, hmm, how do I want to define myself today? Yeah, exactly.
0: That's why I let people introduce themselves. Because I'm like, how do you want to define yourself today?
1: I love it. I feel like I, I what I, I think on this podcast, what I would say is I am a woman who's been on a really deep healing journey mm-hmm. for, and now for 35 years, it's a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, part of my healing journey became my professional development journey, as well as my personal development yeah. process. Yeah. And uh, now as a life coach, you know, I help a lot of women healing from mm-hmm. Um, the things we're going to talk about today. And I feel like for me, you know, like my biggest definition for myself is probably a lover of humanity and beauty. Mm -hmm. And I really, the older I get, the more I want to live into that. So what sparked me to come on Today on your podcast is well, number one, I've been following you for a long time and watching what you've been doing and being like, Oh, good (laughs) for her. I'm so glad she's doing that. That's such a place that's needed in the world and all that good stuff. And I think, you know, after uh, Roe versus Wade got overturned, and there's been so much, um, I think, so much talk about racism and sexism, probably not enough. Um, But Uh, I don't know what it was that I read right before I reached out to you. And it was kind of like, I I just need to, I need to have a voice in this somewhere. And so it was obvious to ask you to come and speak into it because I, I had an abortion and I've never talked about it openly.
0: It's something that
1: has felt like really private to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that whatever it was that I read was kind of like a tipping point for me mm. internally mm-hmm. where I felt like it still is very private to me, Yeah, but it also is something that, um, I think the more that we all claim the truth for ourselves yeah. and, yeah. and tell our stories, the more healing that can go on. Yeah. And for me, um, my abortion happened like right after I turned 18 mm. and I knew that I was not going to be forever with this guy that was the father of the baby, as yeah. well as, and I think he knew that too, yeah. as much as I loved him. I just didn't see it as a long forever thing. And I also realized for me, it would have put incredible limitations and uh, um, say just limitations, heartache. Yeah into yeah. my life yep. and there would have been, as much as I wanted children and I knew I was gonna have children one day, the, the joy of, I think the joy of mothering would have been really squelched for yeah. me at yeah. that point in my life because I wasn't ready to take care of a child.
0: Yeah.
1: And I would have been on my own. I, yeah. I you know, it just would have been me. And I did, that wasn't the vision I had for myself, of my life, mm-hmm. so you know, to thankfully, you know, in 1975, we had just gotten to the point where abortion was a possibility. Yeah, right. And I happened to live in a- God, It's just,
0: that's crazy. Sorry, know, I'm having I... a moment where you watched, <laughs> you felt the new freedom-
1: Yeah.
0: Of abortion being recognized Yeah. nationally. Yeah. Pretty deep, like that was like really pretty powerful timing. Yeah. And now you've watched it stripped away. Yeah.
1: yeah. God.
0: And <laughs> okay, keep
1: going. Sorry. Right now, and knowing that, right, you know, right now, right? Watching and knowing I know I'll never have to face that decision. Yeah. But I don't know if my granddaughters will. You know, I have seven yeah. granddaughters. Yeah. And grandson. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 here's the thing. Mm-hmm. What What is really important for me to speak into today is that Having that decision taken away from us to me is a form of oppression. Yeah. It's one yeah. of the many forms of oppression that go unspoken, unrecognized, mm-hmm. un, un, really, uh, unrevealed and to the full extent that what, of what it is. Yeah. And I think it's just really important for us all to speak into that, those of us that can see it for that and recognize it for that. and then do the work of healing from that oppression. Because healing from oppression is a very personal, individual experience, but we often need others who have gone before us in that process to help us come forward and figure mm-hmm. out how to do it. Because oftentimes it's internal internalized oppression, which we don't even know is there. We don't recognize yeah. what the signs are necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that's part of where we are in our culture today is a lot of the, the, the signs of oppression that have been swept under the table and ignored for so long are finally being brought out into the open more and more. And so I think the more that we speak into them, the more opportunity we have to heal as a culture, as a country, country. as a, as a global humanity. And particularly as women, right? yeah. our work. What's
0: an example of a sign of um, internalized oppression that you use the language of has been swept under the rug, but like,
1: yeah.
0: I think it's not even that conscious for most of us now, because sure. it's just, we've just you taken it as, that. yeah, we've just taken it as realities. like. I know,
1: so you've already mentioned one. Yeah. Right. Which is where you kind of opened with our our connection, right? And was one of the reasons that I love Amber Lily Estrom so much is that she's done, you know, she's done a lot of work and she's very, uh, I think she's a very evolved human being in a lot of ways. One of the ways that we, um, don't recognize that we are living with internalized oppression, which is, is internalized oppression is basically our consciousness is not connected to the way that we either self-oppress or being oppressed by others. And so it's very hard to heal from something that you're not aware of. You're not conscious. Yeah. of. So for instance, you're saying, you know, I kind of saw myself as, you know, having a career in network marketing, right? That was your vision maybe for yourself. Well, she saw something greater for you. Mm-hmm. Right? She could have not said that she could have felt like, oh, you know, great for Amanda, you know, I don't need another coach to compete with me. Right. And let it go. Right. And that's what many people would do for women where we are not we aren't necessarily trained or we haven't been trained for a long time, unless you've specifically, you know, been in circles where this has happened, is to really recognize one another's strengths mm. and to help them bring them forward. Mm. To not criticize, to not gossip, to not talk behind other people's backs, mm. but instead to lift one another up. Mm hmm. And we don't necessarily recognize that as a sign of oppression, but it is a way that we are kept down. We keep one another down. By not acknowledging those strengths. Right. Yeah. By not acknowledging them first in ourselves, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Settling. I think I'm still doing that.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, this is,
1: this is centuries, right? We're talking yeah. about centuries of patriarchy that we're trying to yeah. figure out how to move beyond and, and integrate new ways of thinking, you know, without it becoming uh, feminist anger, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that being the, the marker for where we go with it all. Right. Because oftentimes when we're on the track of trying to figure out how to heal, we don't even recognize the ways that we have bought into the patriarchy. Right. So for our many, right, for many of us, we were groomed to overwork, overproduce, deny our feelings like these are all patriarchal uh, habits and patterns. They're Mm -hmm. not natural humans patterns, yeah. healthy human patterns. Right. Yeah. 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 And so the more that we can do the work of sitting in circle, talking about these things, right. And in ways that are healing, which mm-hmm. which is part of the process is, you know, as we, we go through this process of, of healing is yeah. you, you have to, you have to be in safe spaces because many times, you know, we're bringing trauma, whether it's small or large, into this experience of oppression. And you in order not to be re-traumatized, you have to have a safe space yeah. to to work this out. As you well know, I mean being doing the work that you do, you know how how integral that is to a true healing process, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I um, felt a lot of pressure but to create safe spaces. And someone introduced the idea of brave spaces to me. And that felt so much, look, I can do that. I can hold brave space. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can't guarantee, like right now I have a little um, like one week Facebook group event happening. It's just so like, so lovely in there. And the pressure of keeping it safe. Like I can do everything in my power to keep it safe, but like, I don't, it's just like parenting, right? Like we can do everything in our power to keep our kids safe, but we can't guarantee that like we can't. And so I felt a lot of pressure about safe space for a long time. Yeah. And now that is that's always my vision is for it to be a safe space. but the language shift of brave space was like really
1: freeing for me. yeah so um, how do you how do you differentiate that Amanda just for the for your listeners, you know to really understand that a little more deeply? Well,
0: also like for me um, my definition of safe might not feel like your definition of safe, Mm -hmm. but if we're both going to show up bravely and compassionately, um, then we don't get like, we don't have the expectation of going in somewhere, going in somewhere and being completely protected. Mm -hmm. And then whatever, if my definition of safe doesn't match yours, for instance, um in coaching I think we ask some we ask some tough questions Mm -hmm. and they can feel like a little they can take you aback for a second Mm -hmm. and to me that feels safe because it's like I'm going to help you find that place in you that wants to be seen and heard Mm -hmm. to them it can feel like how dare you find that place in me that (laughs) wants wants to be seen and heard right. and so save felt like just too personal to me mm-hmm. it's like um as in like our definitions of it were so diff- could be so differently personal mm-hmm. and brave is like okay I am gonna step in and I'm gonna have some trust in the person I'm stepping in with and also some trust in myself Mm -hmm. to do the courageous thing and have my own back, whatever comes up. Or ask for what I need, whatever comes up. Mm -hmm. So language is a funny thing. It's just these subtle shifts, but (laughs) that one felt, um, it felt good for me.
1: That's good, I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, a question popped up when you were talking that I would not have anticipated, um, we would head toward, but I think, um, I think you're a good person to introduce it with. And when you were talking about, um, having our decision taken away from us is a form of oppression. I think a lot of us understand that. And then what the question that popped into my head was a little bit defensive and like angsty. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And it was, how do people not see that? Like, how do I get why almost the puppeteers of the movement, right? Like the, the people who have been spending, who have spent 50 years trying to undo row and have been manipulating and controlling and, right? I get how they don't see it. They're a whole different category, but there's so many just people, just average citizens who don't see this as oppression. Like how is that possible? (laughs) How do they not see this as oppressive?
1: I mean, I think, I think for me, it's, it's probably twofold. is One piece is the internalized part that we're talking about. they have that too. They have that too. Yes. They don't see how they've been conditioned. Yes. To believe certain things, right. That keep them in that space where that feels right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then I think Here's another piece, and I'm going to make this leap, and it's going to be a tricky one for us to talk about, so we're going to go really carefully. I love
0: tricky well, leaps. Okay.
1: <laughs> I think there's a very significant difference between being religious and being spiritual. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the dogma of a lot of the religion, and particularly in our country, the prevalent religion that is here, has a lot of oppressed language in it and it's acceptable because people believe that it was spoken or written by the person at the top so to speak yeah and i for me right being a non-religious person but a very spiritual person Mm -hmm. see any written experience of religion or spirituality, as a filter through some human's lens, right? Yeah, and so the human's lens is often uh, not necessarily the deepest truth, right? It's just their perspective or their experience of that that time. Yeah, so. Uh, you know, I think we have, we have layers of things that are going on, particularly in our culture. You know, and the, the people I think that you're talking about that can't see the, a woman's choice being taken away from her as oppression. They have this in, very embedded belief system that they're the only ones that would ever change if they wanted to do the deep, deep, deep work of questioning all of that and that is really deep work and as you you say it
0: that way though it feels (laughs) like like honestly I yeah I feel like well then we're fucked because (laughs) (laughs) actually I was um I was in a private message with a peer coach today and and she was just saying like how do you how do you manage the relationships in your life that really challenge you like in her case, I'll, I'll be specific without giving details. She said, like, I know my husband needs therapy and X, Y, Z happened. And like, I can't handle it. Like he's, he's interfering, you know, his, his, his trauma is interfering with our life. And I, one of the things I said to her is I like to remind myself that I've invested tens of thousands of dollars and countless hours. In my ability to manage my mind. So the reason I say, hearing you say it that way, it's, yeah. and I, I don't believe this as a whole, because obviously I do the work of mm-hmm. showing up and inviting people to, to think differently and, and feel their feelings. Um, but when you say like it's deep, deep work, I'm like, we're fucked. There's no
1: way all these people are gonna do the deep, deep work. <laughs> there are there are a big body of people doing doing the big work. I know. We are out there. If we you know, if we just stick with the mainstream stuff, it's really hard to see that because yeah. we get brainwashed yeah. into all that rhetoric and all that crap that's yeah. going on out there, right? So part of it is being able to like look around and see. The other thing is to recognize, you know, this is this is a compassion building exercise, Amanda. I think in yeah. a lot of ways, right, for especially for those of us that are that are doing our deep work is right, accepting people where they are. And
0: that, uh, that was
1: my first message really, to her. Yeah. I
0: said, yeah. How are you not letting him be who he is? Like, and just let him be who he is where he's at. Right. Um and it's hard. It's hard, especially it when you, hard. yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah.
1: Here's here's another um. Here's another way of seeing and healing from um, internalized oppression. Right, is to take the focus off of taking care of other people, which has been the groomed role of women. Yes. Right? And putting that attention on your own personal liberation. Yes, and supporting others that want to do the work of their own of their liberation, right? Yeah,
0: Yeah.
1: and that's that's tricky because when Mm -hmm. we love people, right, that that um, think differently than we do. Yeah, the only way to greet that well is to have freed yourself so fully from the need to change them or take care of them exactly that. That pressure is relieved from the situation, right? And you can come in in a a very clean kind of way, which feels very different in conversation than oftentimes the defensive posture, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's big work. That's the big work. Exactly.
0: I mean, that's what I said to her is the place I've found freedom is, um, letting him be him and, um, just modeling, right. Like doing my own work and modeling what's possible without the expectation of him to follow my model. (laughs) Same with my kids. Right. It's like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do the work for me. I'm going to make the investments, investments for me. And I'm going to model another possible way. Cause there aren't, you know, we need more people showing what's possible and then they get to choose whether they want that or not. Yeah. And yeah, it is insanely freeing to just focus on what, on your own needs and-
1: um, And to learn a language too, you know, it's kind of the finer, the finer uh, work, you know, the more refined process, right? Of being a good reflecting pool to somebody else Mm. which is comes through very again cleanly and clearly without being accusatory or offensive or defensive right yeah yeah and that's tricky that can be tricky to do right particularly particularly if you're triggering somebody i mean that's the other thing you know like there's so many places we could go with this but but as soon as anybody's triggered in any situation uh, from some emotional wound that they have there's nothing productive usually that happens yeah you know, and so it has to be like stepped away from usually and come back and addressed in a very particular kind of way later, yeah. you know, when we're out of the trigger. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's, I, I want to come back to, you know, uh, with this whole patriarchal thing of living in a patriarchy and women feeling oppressed, right? There are many ways that men have been oppressed, too. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of healing work for them to do when, they, when they're when they ready to do it. And there are places for them to do it if they really want to, right? Just like there mm-hmm. are women's groups now. There are men, more and more men's groups forming in places where they can yeah. actually become enlightened to, you know, what's really the fullness of what's happening, shall we say? Yeah. Um, but again, they have to want to do it, right? And so how do we invite them to the table? Well, I think is really the question, Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. How do we yeah. do it well so that they're motivated? Right. Yeah. And, um, and allowed without the pressure or the stigma oftentimes. I mean, that's the other thing when we look at this whole thing, right. It's often been a stigma, the whole mental health and people getting help, it's like seen as a weakness, seen mm-hmm. as a problem. It's seen as something's wrong with us instead of this is just the natural part of becoming a well-developed human being, right? Yeah. Addressing our mind and our m- emotional lives well. Yeah, <laughs> totally.
0: <laughs> All right. I'm going to go back to my crazy question for a second, and then we mm. can not talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we can come back to it as much as we want to. <laughs> but this question, how do people not see that? Um yeah. I remember this. I, I didn't I didn't remember this until I asked you out loud, but I remember this when Trump was elected and just reminding myself that like he helped and still, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um helps people feel their power, mm-hmm. not in a way that I would like them to feel their power. Uh-huh. But um not seeing something like stripping away abortion rights as an act of oppression like jumping on that bandwagon of like saving the babies and what, whatever the bandwagon is it's almost like this is probably maybe offensive language for some but it's like a cheap shot at a power hit right mm-hmm. like it's an ego hit it's a power hit mm-hmm. and unfortunately because we we are intersectionally oppressed in so many ways so many different kinds of people like that invitation to feel power is really tempting to grab right like the hierarchy of just standing on a corner like fighting for an innocent baby's life without recognizing the entire picture Can help someone feel powerful and important, but it's temporary and it's isolated and it's like, it's not healthy, (laughs) but it helps me remember, like, what are they getting out of that? Like they have their own wounds Mm -hmm. that they're meeting Mm -hmm. by jumping on that train.
1: Right.
0: And, and most of them I think are not realizing how they're contributing to the oppression I, I do believe that
1: uh, yeah well and I think I think we go back to uh, one of the things that for me is so important and that we don't we don't like say in words out loud a lot which is these are very complicated issues yeah and people, have a real temptation in the world especially today to simplify them and make them sound like oh we can just make a quick answer and this is the way it's supposed to be and it's simple right wrongness and it is not that way and we we do all of us a disservice when we allow ourselves to be a part of that in any respect right Yeah.
0: yeah you know
1: that whole if i go back to my own story right if that decision was taken away from me, at some level, it feels like, Laurel, who gives a crap what your life looks like? We're only yeah. gonna worry about this little tiny dot inside you, right? Yeah. That can't exist outside you yet, Exactly. right? We're only worried about that. We could give a crap about you. And how is that right? Well, that's exactly the, the point.
0: When you were telling your story is exactly the point I wrote down this question. Cause I was like, how do people not see that Laurel's life at eighteen was worthy of making that choice? That that tiny dot inside of her, whatever you decide to call it, yeah. didn't have more rights than she did—an eighteen-year-old girl right. finding her feet in the world. Like that—that that was where I wrote the question: like, how do people not see this? <laughs> right, right. I
1: know. I know. Um. I know, but then we go but, back to that whole complex, right? Yeah. The complex of yeah. years and years and years of patriarchy, the years and years and years of religious dogma that has been uh, accepted mm-hmm. as truth, okay. as right, Yeah. that we don't question or many of us haven't questioned. Yeah. Many people have not. And so uh, if you take that as the, the final end, the final say, yeah. Then you you don't do the, your own soul searching ultimately.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there are many more. But you gave some reasons for choosing abortion, and it was not the guy, not the time. Um, would have squelched my joy of mothering. Like it wasn't the I wasn't ready to take on a child. As you can imagine, these are all very common reasons that people choose abortion. Um. Do you remember, like, did that feel like enough for you? Like those were, those were great reasons, but did you have your own back in those reasons as a young woman? Yeah. Um, and how did you do that? Like to the person who had the same reasons but doesn't have their own back,
1: what might they wanna hear from you? I think we go back to you know your reasons matter what why should you settle for something less than the life that you want or you believe that you can have for yourself we go back to that being an an and an internalized depression yeah of thinking that somebody knows better than we do what's right or, or what we want for ourselves right yeah and this whole idea you know like it's very inf- it is infuriating the the, the the you know we go back to uh the idea of a man right uh number one violating a woman and then the leap goes from there to her having a child and now where's there's all our personal power has been taken stripped away every every ounce of it right every single ounce of it and so this is why we go back to like this is so deeply complicated it's really and it's really big yeah It it is not something that should be going unaddressed in any way today by any woman in the world
0: yeah and we live in a society where in the example you gave of someone um experiencing you know an unwanted pregnancy either through assault or whatever the situation was um and then she's the one who who's riddled with shame right like she's the we live in a society where it's her job to
1: take on the shame and this is really and that's you know this is the bigger healing work, right? This is the big healing work is why should we feel shame over that? Uh, Thankfully, for whatever reason, you know, I didn't feel shame over it. I just felt like it was my private story, my private issue. And why should anybody be entitled to my story or my issue unless I want to give it? Yeah. Right. And, and the whole idea of a women taking on shame for, what men do without men's choices is is to me the epitome of patriarchy it's the epitome of oppression yeah yeah and have
0: you read uh chanel miller's book know my name no oh so good and it's just speaking to this example after example after example she was uh assaulted on a stanford campus Mm-hmm. Um. I think and
1: so, what's that? I think I've seen her speak about this. Amazing,
0: yeah. 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 But it speaks exactly to this. Um. Yeah.
1: In and the only way it'll end is for us to each one of us to stand up, right, and and do our own healing work. Yeah. Of uh, understanding where shame comes from, healing from it, uh, disowning it, right. Mm-hmm. And and being able to speak clearly into. A, a healed story. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's where we get our personal power back, Amanda. Yeah, Right. We, we, I want to come back to what you were talking about before this idea of, you know, people's power, right. And them feeling right. Yeah. This, we, we are in such a time of trying to move from power over to po- internal power, right. External power versus internal power. And that's the ultimate spiritual path. The ultimate spiritual mm-hmm. path for me, <laughs> your ultimate spiritual development is in working with your inner life so clearly and so cleanly that you do manifest what you want, right? That That is what they're all talking about. Yeah. And yet, if you don't take yourself away from the external power parts, right? You never get to that. You don't get to that.
0: I wrote down earlier um, when I asked you the question about, I mean, I think in some ways, for whatever reasons, you were a pretty evolved (laughs) 18-year-old. Emotionally, spiritually, I don't know what, but I don't think a lot of 18-year-olds had that same awareness. But when I asked you that question, um, I wrote down the words, what I want is enough and valid and worthy of going after. And in your case, that was like the life that you wanted. The mother and you want it right? Right, right, and then as you were just speaking now, that circled back around to like that is where our power is. Yes, our power is in what we want. Yes, and and that's the very much. thing patriarchy strips from us. It's that's like right. what you want is less important than what I want you to want.
1: Right. Right. And the only way you'll heal that is by doing the work of coming back and claiming what you want, making it so important. Exactly. And knowing and doing and coming back to inner work because your inner development and your inner work eventually will translate to external, external influence, right? Not external power, but Mm -hmm. external influence. Yeah. And the influence is where you now can create change. Yeah. Just simply by being, by being, by giving your gifts to the world, by using your voice really well. Yeah, this is this is how it happens. And so, you, you know, uh, as as a as a coach, as a mental health counselor, you know, as a woman's advocate, as a child's advocate, you know, for me, I always come back to helping people do their inner work because for me, that is where we regain our personal power, and then we go forward and and we do change the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. I am like over 160 episodes into the podcast, and way back at like 25 or something, I had this series called Honoring Your Abortion, and I still come back to it over and over again. And I love it because I've changed so much, my work has changed like evolved so much since I did that, but I come back to that four part series all the time because I'm like, damn, Amanda, that was brilliant. Like for how early you were in the work, like that was brilliant. And a step in that, I think it's step three in that series is honoring your desire, honoring your wants. And, um, I think what so many people need to hear after their abortions is what you wanted matters. Yes. And, and, and I know it sometimes can feel like I didn't want it, but like you wanted to get out of the abusive relationship. You wanted to get out of, um, you didn't want to carry a baby who was sick. You wanted to there. I, I think that I would argue every single abortion choice came down to some want that is very likely you have forgotten you had. But it was there and it matters it
1: and i matters. think that we have as women in yeah. general right uh we have really good healthy instincts about life and preserving yeah. life and living into life and so we've been but that's been groomed out of us because it's it's again the model has been be like a man not like a woman yeah. right and yeah. so the idea of learning like what does it really mean like to be a woman to have fem- the feminine masculine balance within you to to develop all those parts of you um, looks very different right then let's say the leaders in our government often yeah. look you know yeah. which is like a model of leadership that we all have been groomed to believe is healthy and good and whatever and we now see how corrupt so much of it is yeah I mean, we again it's it's the idea of how how are you using your personal power and how are you mm. developing it, right? Mm-hmm. And and I want to come back to so that what you desire and what you want, particularly yeah. for women, yeah. the inclination is usually very healthy, and usually good for the world. Yeah, more often. Yes, it
0: really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was recording a podcast last night um with one of my most varied people in the world, very favorite people in the world. Um, And a question that came up that I'm hearing again in our conversation is like, who took your power? Who has your power? In some cases, who did you give your power to? Um, But just identifying that is something that we don't do. We don't think to do. Like we want to believe we have our power but we don't—not in this world, not in this it's society. It's really difficult.
1: I go back to the com- the complicated factor. Oftentimes, for women, comes back to our, our our not understanding our how important you know our psychology and our well being and our survival really develops in relationship to other people. It's very different than how men come into the world, mm. and so our complicated. Uh, story that we have to look at and reality that we have to look at is when our relationships get threatened or we think they're threatened, we see it as a, as a reflection of our own self being threatened Yes, exactly. and this, you know, the, and again, how, how do you grow out of that? How do you move beyond that and make it conscious is, yeah. is the work that we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. essential work for women if you're really going to you know if you're really going to feel like you can live fully into all that you came here to do right your your relationships can't be a place where you're looking for survival any longer right Mm -hmm. Uh, psychological survival or whatever right it's it's and i'm not talking about we have to all be independent and we can't be independent this is like don't don't let's not make it simple everybody that's not what i'm talking about yeah talking about is as women, right? We have to be able to separate ourselves and say, what is good for me? And if it threatens this relationship, I need to look at that in its totality. I can't just suddenly pull away from what I want, but i have to keep moving forward and figure out how to address that threat. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just wrote down the ultimate independence is coming into relationships independently. (laughs) It's like, like whole, whatever the relationship, is. Whole.
1: yeah,
0: yeah, is like a marriage mm-hmm. or a friendship or a coaching relationship. Like yeah. the ultimate level of independence is coming into that, not seeking validation, not seeking um, someone else's way um, or yeah. opinion, but being able to hear it and reflect it mm-hmm. and decide what you think about it. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. We could talk forever, obviously. Um, Is there anything you thought you would come on and share and haven't yet shared that you want to wrap up?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I really wanted to touch on the idea of personal power, you know, and relating that to really developing your inner, your inner life and your inner Mm -hmm. power. Mm -hmm. Privacy was really important to me because I do think that we underestimate this effect that our privacy is being taken away from us. Like how, how, how oh, that's an oppression. You Do
0: you know? know what I just saw um, that I did not know? Maybe you knew because you, you know, you've been around the block more than I have. <laughs> um,
1: Longer. I don't know. More. <laughs> <laughs>
0: college students are not protected by HIPAA. So if they tell a, wow. a dean, an advisor, a student, like a school counselor about their abortion stories. Wow. It is not protected under privacy. And if they come under investigation, that all goes on the table.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is terrifying right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a play in a country that's now criminalizing healthcare. Yeah. Um but I did not realize that. And I have a child of that
1: age right now yeah, so i was like I oh am. i didn't wasn't aware of that either I it's what a different it's like that got slipped into somewhere
0: exactly somewhere. instead of hipaa it's like hirsa or i i don't remember what it was but um i just saw jessica Valenti offering that and information so
1: yeah I'll, I'll just we'll close with this event amanda <laughs> if you're not voting you're you're you are Abandoning your personal power.
0: And if you're voting. If you're voting based on what, who someone is telling you to vote for and not what is true and real for you,
1: mm-hmm. you're giving away, you are giving it away. That's right, because what happens in that voting booth is, booth is is totally private. Still, I don't know how much longer that will last. We'll see. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's dark and it's messy and being human is really complicated, but it's also so beautiful and there's so much light to go towards. And it is worth, it is so worth exploring all of these things. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me on today and letting me share with your listeners i'm really Mm -hmm. really glad to have my voice in the conversation yeah thanks for reaching out yeah you bet all right go go do more good work like you are (laughs) i love it well done. thank
0: you (laughs) thanks for listening and as always please consider sharing